Hey guys, yeah, another wrestling review, but this one, um, it's actually a special kind of review because as you can see, it's still kind of daylight outside. It's a little after seven now because uh, the match or the event that we were um, looking forward to uh, the most actually started at four o'clock. Yeah, the uh, event, Ric Flair's last match, uh, just in case anybody was wondering, uh, was indeed uh, seen, as I check, make sure the mic is on, was indeed shown on traditional pay-per-view as well as Fight TV. Now, were there some technical issues? A bit, you know, nothing to really sneeze about. I mean, the mic, I don't think it was my sound bar or anything, because I, because when you um, when you watch wrestling and even some sporting events, you have to have it on either standard or surround, maybe even game, but mostly standard and surround. You can have it on the smart volume option, which is audio, which it kind of ba tries to balance things out. Uh, but unless you have, like, the extra surround sound, which I still got to get, uh, it's it's more um, it's more better to switch over to standard volume or surround volume, in, in my opinion. Um, anyway... Anyway, yeah, uh, today was Ric Flair's last match event. And like I said, it was on traditional pay-per-view. And it ran from, I think, 4 o'clock to little under 7 o'clock. Just barely 3 hours, I believe. Um, I think that's that's what it did. And I'm going to try to look here. Of course, Wikipedia would have it up. Um, and, and everything. So, yeah, it said the pre-show simulcast free on YouTube at 6.05 Eastern, which was 3.05 our time, uh, which was a nod to the traditional uh, JCP, Jim Crockett Promotions World Championship Wrestling Program that aired on TBS throughout the 80s and the 90s. And because of that, it started around 4 o'clock. So, basically, it started around 4 o'clock. And everything, which was pretty good because, again, that's another traditional nod uh, to the fact that a lot of pay-per-views uh, back in the 80s and the 90s would start, mostly with TBS and all that, you know, the Turner Networks, uh, they would start around 4 o'clock. You know, that way if it was the pay-per-view was on a Sunday, you know, the pay if the pay-per-view was on a Sunday, uh, they could get it done with by almost 7 o'clock. Uh, just like they did here, and that way people who had school, you know, kids who had school or people who had to go to work the next day can relax, watch some regular television and all that um, afterwards, and then, you know, get plenty of sleep. So it was a nice little nod that they did there, uh, especially for someone like me, because even though I have to do four and a half hours tomorrow, it's still appreciative uh, that I'm doing that. Um, anyway, um, anyway, uh, as far as the show goes, like I said, there were technical issues, but not, they were very minor. Like I said, you know, the, the mic sound or something like that, but so far everything was okay. Was the camera work a little off at times? A little bit, but not much. It, it felt, it, 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 I'll put it this way, the production work felt, you know, just right. It felt very, very right. It basically, in a sense, also was a nod to how WCW under the NWA Jim Crockett uh, banner would kind of film their, their shows at times because, 
you know, there were times you can you can even watch it on the WWE Network on Peacock, or you can watch it, you know, on here on YouTube. You can see several classic NWA shows where the camera angles were very similar to what you saw tonight. Uh, as far as the event goes, they did have a couple uh, preliminary matches, preliminary matches, basically pre-show matches, uh, which would be considered, yeah, preliminary dark matches, whatever you want to call them. Uh, we had um, we had the New Japan Showcase on the pre-show, which was Rei Nada defeating Yura Imuro. I have to go back and watch that. But I did see on on YouTube the Mace, Mance Warner uh, winning the Bunkhouse Battle Royal. Now, uh, in case you guys wonder what a Bunkhouse Battle Royal is, it's basically like a Royal Rumble. Well, it's not a Royal Rumble match, but it's basically a Battle Royal match. And um, what and uh, the difference is you can use weapons. You can use weapons. It's basically a hardcore battle royal. And there wasn't much weapon use or anything in here. But what was interesting was after Bully Ray came in, and you think Bully Ray's the last entrant, right? Nope. All of a sudden you hear this bong, bong. Very familiar bong to anybody that's a part of a certain fan base that goes under the numbers MDK. That's right. Nick Gage showed up along with his GCW crew, uh, which consisted of Mance Warder, who I thought was already in there. But it had uh, Joey Janela. It had Blake Christian, who I could swear is you know you know, loyal to whoever you know will you know put, uh, book him. But mostly he's a GCW guy, I guess. But yeah, he had his JCW crew, JCW crew come in and kind of add themselves to the match, uh, kind of do a little bit of a GCW invasion for the match. Um, and again, even though it was built as a bunkhouse brawl, the only weapon, uh, the only weapon that they used was Sim Bodie. That's right, Sim Bodie, who was one of the producers on the show, uh, using an, a spare ring rope to try to choke out Wolfie D. And Wolfie D, I'll say this, um, still bald, you know, he's still bald headed, no offense on that, but it looks like he's gained some weight. And I say that with all due respect to Wolfie D, but it looks like he's gained some weight. Uh, but he still looks good. Still looks good. So, uh, yeah, um, this went for about, according to Wikipedia, 11 minutes. And it came down to Mance Warner and Bully Ray. And Bully Ray um, and ended up being eliminated by Mance Warner. And he was rewarded the gold buckle and the golden shoe, which they, the GCW crew poured some beer into so he can drink out of. Which I think they've done that before when they've done these kind of bunkhouse matches. Um... But yeah, it was uh, it was a nice little pre-show. Mostly the bunk. I think the bunkhouse match was probably the best highlight of, out of it. Then we get to the official pay-per-view, and I wasn't sure at first if it was on pay-per-view, but I had a feeling it might be because if it's on Fight TV and it's being promoted as you know such a big deal, that it has to be on pay-per-view, and it was. So for thirty-four ninety-nine, thirty-five bucks, I ordered it. And I basically ordered it, you know, just as the Motor City Machine Guns and the Wolves, the American Wolves, as they were once known, uh, were, in, were opening the match, and, or opening the event. And I have to say that the match for an opener was pretty good. Uh, it was pretty good. Uh, the Machine Guns won by hitting uh, their finisher, one of the finishers, which was the crossbow something. It looked like Alex Shelley hurt his knee and all that, so... Thankfully, that wasn't the case. He might have just, you know, popped it. 
like you know sometimes when you you know hit a you do something you know hard with your elbow or your knee sometimes you'll feel like you broke it but you may have just popped it you know like you get a you know pop bubble like like let's say I do this you know and usually you hear like a pop and it's just bubbles or you just like crack your knuckles it's just water popping popping so I can assume that that's probably what happened he had a pop which basically was like his uh, knee popping you know the water the juice kind of drained it out of it and that's why he kind of hurt him but yeah the um, the match the match was good it was a solid opener uh, the next match was uh, Killer Cross with Scarlett Baudet against David Boy Smith Jr. That was a short match. Uh, Killer Cross went over. Um, you know, I, I will say this for anybody that's a fan of Killer Cross or Carrion Cross, depending on how you view him. Um, you might look at this and be like, "Oh, this made him look weak." And here's the thing: I think what's I think what's making him look weak in any people's eyes is look like he lost some muscle mass a little bit. But I'm sure if he gains that back a little bit, he'll be intimidated. He's still intimidating, I'll put it that way. Uh, he ended up winning, I think, uh, with uh, the quickening, which used to be known in WWE as the cross line, where he hit basically David Boy in the back, and uh, that was it. So he won that match. Uh, and again, you know, I know people would say, oh, it made, you know, he didn't look you know the same way he used to. Again, I think it's the hair he's grown in, as well as I could think he lost a little bit of muscle mass. So, yeah, I think... Um, I think if he gets, if he shaves the hair again and grows back and kind of builds back up that muscle mass, that you know he'll probably be the uh, probably be as intimidating as he used to be in the eyes of a lot of fans that probably view him as otherwise. I still think he looks intimidating. I mean, yeah, it's kind of surprising to see him with hair and all that, but I think he still looks intimidating. And I think he is on somebody's radar, if you know what I mean. And I'll get into that in a moment. Uh, the next match was Jonathan Grisham, Alan Angels, formerly of the Dark Order, uh, uh, Kensu Tanakshi, Tanisha, and Nick Wayne. Uh, Nick Wayne is actually 17 years old from what they build, and is the son of, I think, one of the original Moondogs, or at least the grandson of one of the original Moondogs. Uh, this was a fast-paced match, only went for about 5 minutes, uh, 5 minutes, 10 seconds, according to this. Uh, Jonathan Grisham wins the match. Uh, he ends up, I think, pinning um, Alan Angels, or was it Nick Wayne, one of them. He ends up pinning one of them, and because he won, he will get his shot at the, at the Progress World title. So, it doesn't look like Jonathan's out of wrestling yet, but just like his, uh, his uh, girlfriend, his wife, Jordan Grace, he kind of lets his temper get the best of him. Grisham, in my opinion, is is the kind of person that how do I put this? He's the kind of person that will vent his frustrations out loud instead of like keeping his frustrations, his venting to himself, you know, and then probably taking out his frustrations on a punching bag or something. You know, he's the kind of person that when he gets really frustrated, he lets his temper get the best of him and he vocally vent, you know, vents out his frustration in front of people. I, I kind of know this because myself... And my mom, you know, when we're really tired from work, you know, and everything, um, if somebody says the wrong thing to us or teases us in the wrong way or we feel it's the wrong way, you know, we will blow up. And we will blow up for no damn reason. So, 
Uh, that's basically what I think it was. I think Jonathan Grisham has this uh, temperament to where when he blows up, he lets that frustration he wants to vent out, vent be vented out in front of people, and he probably doesn't really mean the things he says. He just comes out because he's angry. But yeah, he's going to get a shot at the Progress World Championship uh, in the near future. Then we had a legacy tag team match. We had Brian Pillman Jr. and Brock Anderson uh, with Arn Anderson, Brock's father, in the corner, uh, representing the Horsemen against the Rock and Roll Express, represented by Ricky Morton and his son, Kerry Morton, with Robert Gibson at uh, ringside. Uh, and this was a good match. It was a nice little showcase for Kerry Morton, who not many people know of. He's mostly seen in the NWA. And for Brian Pillman and Brock Anderson, and I can tell you this right now, and I'm sure people might point this out when they review the show. Uh, the way Pillman and Anderson worked here, you know, if you want to include Griff Garrison into the mix, we could be looking at AEW's interpretation of the Four Horsemen. Yeah, we could. Because you have Arn Anderson kind of in the J.J. Dillon role, if you will. And Brock is in the Arn role, and you have Pillman probably in the Brian Pillman um, role. Alex Luger, Tully Blanchard, you know, uh, well, not Tully Blanchard, but the Lex. I'll put it this way: you have you have Brock in the Arn Anderson role. You have Brian Pillman, you know, kind of in his the role his father was in, or the role of a, a Barry Windham, you know, Ole Anderson kind of thing. Uh, well, maybe not Ole Anderson, but a Barry Windham, Lex Luger, Sting, you know, that, that one person that sometimes fit or doesn't fit in the Horseman. You have him in that role, and then if you want to add in Griff Garrison, he could be like the Tolly Blanchard of the group, and then you would just need one more. Who could you get? And honestly, you know, if they want to, they can get Jay Lethal. They get Jay, Jay Lethal, they have Sanjay Dutt by his side instead of a, an advisor, you know, well, heck, they can get Ari Davari, who's coming into this, who's um, doing this new gimmick. If you watch, if you do watch a bit of Dark, he has this gimmick where he has a trust fund, a massive trust fund, and he's already got Slim J at his side. So you could do that with him. You can have Ari Davari kind of fill out the role, and there you go. You could have your four horsemen of AEW, but we'll see. But they worked out pretty good as a team, and um, they won. Yeah, Brock and Brian won uh, the match against Kerry and Rick. Uh, Ricky, and that was it. Uh, the next match we had was a triple A four-way uh, showcase. Uh, was a triple A four-way showcase between, uh, basically between Ray Phoenix, Bandino, Laredo Kid, and Black Taurus. And uh, this was good. This was probably the match of the night in a lot of people's minds. This was the match of the night, and. In the end, Ray Phoenix won. He won it. I think he pinned Black Taurus. Yeah, he pinned Black Taurus. He pinned Black Taurus. Uh, but all these guys showed why the some of the best luchadors in AAA, if not in the companies that they're wrestling for outside of AAA. You know, they really showed the stuff. Ray Phoenix, again, won. You know, as a lot of people feel he should. And um, I think it was Ian Riccoboni... Yeah, I think it was Ian Riccoboni that was uh, calling this match. And um, Ian, I think it was Ian Riccoboni, or was it somebody else? I kind of think. Who was who was calling the match? It might have been Joe Dombrowski, Dombrowski or something. It was one of them. But 
Yeah, I think it was Joe Dobrowski or something. Um, and he basically put over, I, I don't know if it was Ian, Todd, or, or Joe, one of them, put put Ray Phoenix over as this generation's Ray Mysterio, which kind of tells me that, again, somebody, a certain somebody has their eyes on Ray, if you know what I mean, for certain uh, futures. And again, I'll get into that in a moment. But yeah, the match was the match of the night. Then we had Josh Alexander defending the Impact World Championship against jo- Jacob Fatu, who, by the way, if you do not know who Jacob Fatu is, watch MLW, watch some of the matches he's involved in there, as well as outside of MLW, and you will see exactly why WWE should forget about the freaking past with this guy and sign him. He's part of the Samoan dynasty, if you know what I mean. I think he is related in some way to Roman Reigns. He has some kind of family connection to Roman Reigns. So WWE needs to sign this guy, or AEW needs to sign this guy, because, or even Impact, but mostly the two I just talked about should sign him, because he is phenomenal. He's one of those rare athletes that at his size, at his weight, you know, it's no exaggeration when people say he moves like a cat, because he does. He does things that you don't think a guy his, you know, his size and weight should do. But yeah, he and Josh Alexander had a physical matchup. Uh, Jacob Fatu mostly dominated this match uh, for most, uh, uh, for a majority of it. Uh, Josh did come back. He did get a few moves in there. And just when it looked like I think either Fatu or Alexander was going to win, out comes the major players, Brian Myers and Matt Cordona, who obviously, I guess, is now healed up and everything. And um, yeah... Uh, they didn't last long because I think Alexander uh, took out, uh, not Alexander, but I think Fatu, uh, along with Alexander's help, took out Brian Myers. And then, out of nowhere, he just, I don't know if he just got to his seat and then just got back up or something, but out of nowhere, out of the front row, comes DDP, Diamond Dallas Page, you know, and basically gets in the ring, turns Matt Cordona around, hits him with a diamond cutter, and then that's it. And he celebrates with Josh Alexander. And much to my surprise and enjoyment, his original WCW theme hit. It played. And I was like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. The original WCW theme. I love it. Don't know why WWE didn't want to use that. What, because of lawsuits? (laughs) Well, they can pay for CM Punk's Cold of Personality to be used and other songs to be used. You know, why not, you know, DDP song, oh, song, I should say. But yeah, it was great to hear that again, and I, I loved it. I really did. Next up, we had the Briscoes and the Von Erics. Basically, it's Ring of Honor versus MLW. And uh, this was a good match. It was really good. Um, the Von Erics definitely have a lot of promise. There's no doubt. They are multiple-time tag team champs in MLW. Uh, but like I said, they have promise. Uh, but in the end, the Briscoes won. They ended up, I think, pinning. Uh, Ra- I think they ended up pinning Marshall Von Eric. I think that's who they pinned. Let me let me check. If they got a. No, it was a no. I don't know who it was. It was either Marshall or or Ra- I think it was Marshall. Yeah, it was Marshall Von Eric. They pinned. Uh, but yeah, it was a good match. A good showing for the Von Erics on a national stage, and uh, for the Briscoes as well. Still proving they're one of the best tag teams outside of any major company, and. Uh, yeah, you know, it was pretty good. 
pretty good matchup. And again, I think the Von Erichs are going to be a team on a certain radar. And again, I will talk about that in a moment. Then we had Jordan Grace against Deanna Perrazzo and Rachel Ellery. It almost looked like this three-way was going to be turned into a singles match. Because what happened is there was a, a move. Uh, there was a situation um, at, you know, I don't know if it was at the beginning. Yeah, it was at the beginning. Well, basically, they were trying to put each other or pin each other, pin each other, I should say. And what happened is Jordan ended up rolling on top of Rachel's ankle and kind of bending it awkwardly. It was like, ooh, that looked really nasty. And on the replay, it did look nasty. But to her credit, Rachel Rachel continued. And she would keep having her ankle checked and everything. Uh, but the women did put on a good show here. Uh, and in the end, uh, Jordan Grace won, which she should, uh, by, uh, putting, uh, by putting Rachel in the submission. I think basically her, uh, her version of the coquilla clutch. And Rachel um, tapped out before she passed out. So yeah, Jordan uh, retained her title. And we'll go on to Emergence uh, in Chicago, in the Chicago region, at Sirico uh, Stadium, Sirico Stadium, to face Mia Yim. So yeah, Jordan Grace continues uh, to keep her dominance going with the Impact Knockouts Championship since she won it at Slammiversary. All right. Then, of course, we get the final match of the evening. Ric Flair and Andrade El Hidalgo versus Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett. Um, the match was good. The video package they put for this... Uh, uh, the, the video package they put for this was uh, pretty was pretty nice. I mean, I know Brian Alvarez liked it because he was in there a lot. <laughs> he even said, oh, that was a nice video package. You know, that, that's what he said on his... Uh, on his Twitter page, he said, oh, that was a great video package. And then I commented back to him. I said, of course, you were in it. <laughs> you know. But yeah, the match was good. Um, Ric Flair, of course, did his Ric Flair stuff. Not not any of the uh, flop down to the mat kind of stuff. But basically, you know, did some of the typical Ric Flair stuff. He did the strut. He did the chops. He bled and everything. Um, he did everything, you know, you would expect Ric Flair to do with a, with a few exceptions. And I like the idea, and I like the fact that they pointed out that you know Rick has realized, hey, he's not that he's not a, the Rick of old. That he now that he has to now kind of uh, pace himself with these kind of matches. And overall, the match was it was a good match. You had good storytelling in it. You had uh, Megan Flair, Conrad Thompson's wife, Megan Flair, uh, intervene. She basically grabbed Karen Jarrett. She was like, I'm getting. She basically got sick and tired of this. Or sick and tired of Karen's uh, interference and stuff. Um, you know, and I think uh, just Alex thought it was uh, Charlotte at first. And I was expecting Charlotte to come down the aisle. I was expecting that the moment Karen handed her high heel to Jeff to hit Rick with and the constant interfering and all that, I was expecting to, I was expecting some kind of version, or if not her theme period, from WWE to hit and out she would come. Uh, but she didn't. Uh, she didn't do that. I- I'm assuming she's probably in the back, but because she's under WWE contract and she's one of the major stars of WWE, um, she- they can they couldn't allow her to do it. Uh, but yeah, uh, besides that though, uh, the match was good. It ended with Jarrett um, accidentally hitting 
uh, Jay Lethal with the guitar. What happened is Jay held up Rick to get hit with it, but Andrade came in, you know, grabbed Rick, got him out of the way, and, you know, Jarrett ended up hitting um, Jay in the head with uh, the guitar. And then Conrad Thompson throws Andrade some brass knuckles, which instead of using them on Jeff, he hands them to Rick, and Rick uses them on Jeff, puts them into the figure four, but they didn't have no referee because Mike Kyoto got super kicked by Jay Lethal, you know, straight out of the match, and they needed somebody else to come out, and who came out? I think they have it listed here with the referee. Dave Miller, yeah, Dave Miller is a longtime referee for Jim Crockett and the NWA and all that, came out, counted the three, and that was it. And uh, it was a and Ric Flair wins his last match. He gets the pinfall. He wins his last match, and I thought it was good. I thought it was a good send off, a good way to end. He, you know, he did a speech afterwards. Uh, Tony interviewed him. He did, a, you know, Rick then, you know, took the mic and did a speech, which I thought was really good. You had confetti coming down and all that. Um, so yeah, it was it was a nice send off. It was a good send off for Rick. Uh, and they did have a lot of people in attendance that you would not expect to be there besides, you know, Ric Flair's family. You know, some of the people they had there was Undertaker, Mick Foley, Bret Hart. Now, you might say, how did they get Undertaker? Undertaker's retired now. So, WWE has no say in him doing what he's doing. So, or what he can, can and cannot do. So, he was there. Mick Foley was there. Bret Hart was there. Kid Rock, fresh off his appearance in the audience at SummerSlam last night, he was there. Um, so yeah, so yeah, it was pretty pretty nice to see. And then you had the video messages. You had messages from Sting, uh, from Jim Ross. You know, you had messages, believe it or not, from Shawn Michaels, Nick Namath, Dolph Ziggler, if you will. You know, um, you had a message from Cody Rhodes. And seeing these video messages from them. You know, it does show that WWE, now under Triple H's regime, is and Stephanie's regime, is cool with this. And they're cool with this. Because we all know that if Vince was still in charge, Vince would have not allowed Undertaker... Would have, Well, Vince, this is what would have happened. This is another difference of Triple H and Stephanie being in charge over Vince. You know, if Vince was still running things right now, Vince would have done everything in his power to say to call up Rick to call up Undertaker and say that he's found a way to legally make sure Undertaker doesn't go and show up at that event, or you know he would have basically said no to Cody and Sean doing these video messages, because you know that's who he is. But now the Triple H is running things along with Steph and Nick Khan. You know now we, now we see all this is happening without a problem. We do, uh, but overall the event was good. It was a good ma- a good event, a good send off for Rick. Um, and, um, I can't wait to put it onto DVD if I can without anybody, you know, taking it off. But, yeah, I can't wait to put it onto DVD, uh, down the line. Hopefully without any copy protection and all that. Uh, but, yeah, the show was good. Nice send-off. Had a decent mixture of, mixture and array of match, mixture. Well, I'm trying to say he's had a decent mixture and array of matches thrown throughout. And... Like I said, it was a good send-off. It was a nice little send-off and everything. Uh, now, what I mentioned, you know, at the beginning here, I mentioned, you know, certain people being on the radar of a certain somebody. You cannot tell me, if he wasn't there in person himself, because, you know, he was in Nashville last night, so, 
it would it wouldn't be suffice to say that he wouldn't probably unless they had a show tonight. It wouldn't be, be suffice to say that he didn't go over to uh, the manip- municipal auditorium, you know, municipal auditorium, and um, you know, I, I guess you could say be backstage for the for Ric Flair's final match because you know what they they put on the Twitter. There was a picture that was put on Twitter of Rey Mysterio, Dominic Mysterio, and Brian Pillman Jr. Yeah, WWE stars alongside an AEW star. That was pretty cool. That was pretty cool to see. So, And they were there for Ric Flair. So it suffice to say that Triple H was there too and everything. And I don't think he was just there to help celebrate Ric's um, last match and everything. You know, which you know, which everybody was there for to to you know pay tribute uh, to pay to contribute to and uh, you know uh, contribute to and pay tribute to is what I'm trying to say. But you gotta you gotta know he was there talking to some people to bring him in. You know it. You know he had to be talking to uh, the Von Erichs. You know he had to be talking to uh, Laredo Kid. You know he had to be talking to Jacob Fatu. You know he had to be talking to uh, Nick Wayne. David Boy Smith Jr., Killer Cross, maybe Mance Warner. You know, he was talking to a lot of these guys because with him in charge now, you know, they could, you know, they have a better chance of having opportunity in WWE than they would anywhere else. So you know, you know that he wasn't, Triple H wasn't just there to help celebrate, you know, Ric Flair's last match, but to also basically, you know, his business and, you know, business-wise and, you know, self-centered as it may sound to some people, he was also there to talk business with some potential uh, new signees. And again, if I'm Triple H, and I'm sure he's looking at them, the Von Erichs, Killer Cross, Davey Boy Smith Jr., um, Kerry Morton, maybe, you know, uh, Jacob Fatu, you know, Rachel Ellery, that she's fine. You know, Mance Warner. I'm sure he's talking to all of them to bring them in. To bring them into NXT. Bring them into the main roster as themselves. You know, with maybe a tweak to their name. Maybe a tweak to their uh, personas, but not much. But mainly as themselves. So they can get the exposure they deserve. So I'm not going to be surprised if, you know, that was... If that's why Triple H was there. You know, as well. You know, as well as along with what I'm trying to say... uh, you know, for celebrating Rick's last match, if you know what I'm saying. I know I kind of fumbled on my words a little bit. I do apologize. Let me get some more coffee. But you know he had to be there, you know, beside, you know, along with the the fact that he was there to help celebrate with Rick. You know that. But yeah, overall, the event was good, and um, I highly recommend if you get a chance to watch it on Fight TV or on pay-per-view, watch it. You will not regret it. Watch the event. It is very, very well done. Uh, again, are there some issues technical-wise, mic-wise, and all that? Yes. But camera-wise at times, yes. But overall, it was a good event. And I'm not going to say that. That I, I'm not going to say that any more than I am. And I do want to say this in closing. Rick, thank you for all the memories, man. Thank you for making me and everybody else a wrestling fan. Because I'll tell you this, when I was a kid and I was flipping through the channels, you know, when I was, me and my parents were living in the Bay Area, living here in the Central Valley, and of course living with my grandparents, I always remember tuning in 
you know, going from like USA, you know, to TBS and all that. I remember tuning in to TBS and seeing you there. Seeing you there. And your rivalry with Sting and Steamboat and Funk. And I'll never forget, I'll never forget like, you know, 1991. I saw, it, it almost felt like, it almost felt like one day you were there and then one one day you were in the NWA, WCW. Then you went, and the next day you're in WWF. That's how it felt to me. But yeah, when I heard you were coming there, I was like, wait a minute, did he say Ric Flair? And then when I saw Bobby Heenan showing off the belt and everything, I'm like, that that belt belongs to Ric Flair. What the? Oh, that belt belongs to the NWA, WCW. What the heck? You know? So, yeah, I was happy when you showed up there, even though it was only a handshake deal and all that. I was just happy to see you show there, show up there, get the recognition you deserve twice as WWF champion, and then continue to uh, build your legacy long after that, even when you went back to WCW, while it was still in its, I would say it was still in its final year, if you will, I think it's final month of partnership with the NWA, but I was happy to see you back there, I was happy to see you grow your legacy, get the dream match in front of the world against Hogan that you did on several occasions, probably more than we can count, um, but yeah, I was glad to see you do that, I was glad to see you go back to WWE, you know, continue your legacy there. I was actually happy to see you go to TNA, even though people will criticize you kind of tarnished your retirement match with Sean in WWE. Um, to hear that Sean gave you his blessing and everything, you know, at least, you know, to me that's justification that, hey, if the guy retiring you said it's okay for you to go back, then I have no say in it. But overall, I got to thank you for the memories, man. I got to thank you for the memories, and you had a heck of a match to go out with. So thank you, Ric Flair. For all the memories, enjoy your time. Enjoy your time with your family, and everything. And and rest assured, rest assured that your legacy, right now as we speak, is in the best hands it's ever been in, in the form of not just the man you teamed up with tonight, Andrade and El Hidro, but it's definitely, you know, straight up bloodwise. It is in the best hands. You know, as far as WWE is concerned, from an in-ring perspective, and your daughter Charlotte. So, Ric Flair, thank you for the memories. And know, like I said, that the family legacy is going to continue with Andrade in AEW and Charlotte in WWE. And that's a fact. But anyway, guys, I highly recommend you guys check out Ric Flair's last match. The event itself. And until next time, I will talk to you all later. God bless. Take care. Check out the live... Check out... Uh, my BW Roses Discussions podcast, um, along with supporting me at Venmo at Brian Warmer 2 and at Cash App at BW Roses 98. Also, check me out on Patreon.com slash BW Roses. Also, check me out at Vimo for content you can't get any, anywhere else at BW Roses. And support me with super chats and stickers during the live stream of the, uh, doing the live chat, I should say, not the live stream, but doing the live chat of the premiere. And until next time, guys, I will talk to you all later. Peace out. God bless. And again, Rick, thank you for all the memories.